Welcome to the LTID Network Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Anderson, and on this podcast, we seek out the world's best researchers, coaches, support staff, teachers, and athletes to better understand the process of long-term athlete development. Don't forget to get your seven-day free trial to our online platform and 50% off your first month with the code LTADVIP50. That's LTADVIP50 at the LTAD Network Hub website. This podcast episode is sponsored by Statera. Statera is a web-based application that helps youth athletes and their stakeholders estimate training load, track maturation status, monitor readiness, and manage injury. Put together by coaches working with busy youth athletes, Statera helps keep things simple and brings together the most important training information in one place to ensure that effective athlete-centered decisions can be made. No more complicated Excel tutorials and spreadsheets. Just upload your athletes' data and their training schedule and start to take control of their training commitments and workload. Make more informed decisions and protect your athletes' well-being, supporting their performance. Statera takes your data very seriously. GDPR compliant and registered with the ICO, choose from a range of maturation indices and validated measures, or customize your own. Statera can record any training variable and all your data is fully exportable. To reach out today and get a free walkthrough, head over to www.statera.uk. That's S-T-A-T-E-R-A dot U-K. Welcome to the LTID Network Podcast. In this mini-series, we're speaking with four different athletes who represented their countries at the Commonwealth Games across four different sports. We'll be discussing the highs, the lows, the successes and challenges that have faced them and their Commonwealth Games experience. First up, I'm speaking with Jake Henry. Jake is a professional rugby player, recently representing Scotland in Rugby Sevens at the HSBC World Series, as well as the 2022 Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. Jake, it's awesome to have you on the podcast, mate. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, no, that's good to be here. Good to be here. Been, been a busy guy with the Commonwealth Games and then straight into pre-season, so no rest for the wicked. Yeah, I know. It's been a quick turnaround. Yeah, finish, finish up the Coy Games, then... Uh, a little week off just to, you know, get the body, save the body and then back in, run it about. So we'll dive into the Commonwealth Games. But before we do that, let's get, dig into the backstory for you. So take us back to when you were a kid or a teenager. What were the sports and activities you were doing? You know, was it mixed? Was it always rugby? Was it something completely different? Oh, no, I was definitely always like it was mixed. Though. I did pretty much, I pretty much played anything, anything. Um, did a fair bit of badminton. Um, played like I did play most sports. I think the main things I probably did badminton and then athletics. I quite enjoyed the field events. I did a lot of long jump and triple jump. Uh, did a bit of the sprinting. Um, and then that wee bit of football. Um, and then yeah, rugby was probably a later sport that I actually started playing. I kind of went more. Okay, because I, I played rugby, it was probably the last one I did start playing and then carry on playing them. And then it came to a point where I was told, if you want to, like, you've got the potential to do well in this, you're going to have to pick, like, one or the other sort of thing, because to be fair, you can't really keep going around, around all these different sports that we get. So what, what age were you when rugby appeared on the scene? I think, what was it? It would have been in 
primary five or six, I believe. So how old I've been, like, Like 10, 11. And then, yeah, played it just a wee bit. Um, like, so I would go on the Saturdays um, and just train, just right about. It was a sort of game sort of thing. Uh, Ross Sutherland, like, didn't think anything really much of it, just enjoyed it. It was something else to do on a Saturday, like, just to have something to do. Um, and yeah, it would. We would just keep playing, keep playing, and then um, started to then when it got to when you could actually play games, um, and it was actually games against other teams. I think it was, um, I think what was the, I can't remember when it, when it happened, but it was just, we were playing just these games, and then there was people just watching, um, at Caledonia um, Academy were watching, and then from there it was sort of, got invited to go do this and I'm just like yeah more rugby more rugby yeah give it a show and I'm still doing other sports at this point um just like just still not really take it too serious just going around and then I think it was would have been under 16s um it was a like Cali under 16s um one of the coaches was like uh it's good that like you're still playing all these other things because like you've got the potential to go um, quite far in this. So it's just a sort of a conversation you might have to have like with yourself and parents is, do you want to just do rugby or do you want to keep going on doing like your athletics and whatnot? Um, but yeah, it's probably been, I would have been, yeah, 16 or 15 when I was like, right, rugby and then stopped playing the other stuff. Mm. So looking back, is there a particular coach that stands out to you as the one who kind of lit the spark in you in terms of the, the bug for rugby or did it just kind of gradually grow? It just gradually grew. I feel like all the coaches I had all, like there was never someone that really introduced it and was like, like this is rugby. And then I was like, oh, rugby. It was sort of like played it, just enjoyed it. Um, but no, I feel like I just like through playing and playing and playing and then being like quite good at it. Just well, I wouldn't say I was actually quite good about. I think I was just good at running about. Just I was a lot faster than a lot of the other people. So I think I just enjoy just I, you know, getting into those like sort of foot races and stuff. And I just really enjoyed it. So I just kept going back to it. But yeah, I don't think there was anyone really that showed me that that I just automatically fell in love. I think it was just over time I was just learning. And then because uh, the game changes every time you go up in age grades. Because there's like, you start, it's like, you literally it's just pass and run. And then there's little things that get added and then you've got kicking. And then there's, you can use a fend at this point And there's just loads of different things. So I just kept developing. So it was always interesting for me. So I kept going back to it. Mm, awesome. And then obviously you kind of made the, the moves through the academy system. So tell us a bit about your journey in the sport. What did you, what did you find that kind of balance when you were still studying in the background and having to train? How did you find life as a student athlete? Was that pretty tough? Yeah, for me, yeah, that was something that I found quite hard because I think it was you'd get, so when you're at that point where it was, I'd move, I moved to the borders and it was like, this was to do like academy training, like properly to then try and get um, a contract with Edinburgh sort of thing. And you want to make your twenties and want to do this. So you're so focused on the rugby part. And then you also have 
I was doing college at the time and it was like, you have to then have to do um, this um, thing outside of that. And sometimes it was, I think, it's something I think everyone, you have to definitely go through to be able to deal with two things. But me personally, I think looking back on it, I wish that, I still think I wouldn't have changed it because I think it's definitely, you definitely learn things that have helped like now going through that, having two things to have to deal with. But it is, it does add a level layer of stress because when, like say rugby isn't going well or something and you're so focused on that, but then you have this, something else to focus on. Sometimes it can be a good distraction and other times you can feel like you're getting distracted of the thing you want to do you need to understand where yeah you just need to be honest with yourself on where you want to go at that point because if it is rugby then me personally I think you should you should back your decision on you go rugby so that you focus on that rugby but if you're realistic with yourself like, at this stage maybe rugby is not fully like on the table to go there then it's good to have two things because then you can have that mix between you're still doing both and you're still going up but you're not like, I need to get it hit now, sort of thing. I think it's just something you, it's definitely, a, I think that's what my like learning from it was, is you need to understand when you can sort of kick on and when you can just keep everything ticking over and like constantly getting better at two things. But then there is a time where you have to be like, right, a bit selfish and just focus on the one thing. Or I feel like you can go like that, but then you sort of just get stuck in this weird spot where everyone else is pushed on and you've not really had the same amount of time or you've not put the same amount of effort in because of other things. Mm. So tell us a bit, you know, people often see on paper, you know, athletes doing well, like, you know, getting to the Commonwealth Games, et cetera, but they don't always know the backstory. And your backstory has got a fair few highs and lows in it. So let's start with the highs. Looking back, what are some of the moments where you're like, yeah, that was a real high in, in your journey to date? Yeah, so I feel like 20s has always been, I think 20s is probably my... Well, all the age grade stuff, I think just 20s as a whole, because that's sort of like you're at the end of that sort of age grade thing and it's there's loads more sort of media coverage around it and it feels a lot more professional. Um, but to be fair, like, now, now at times, like all of them are quite good good at that. But when I was doing it, 20s was like that, the be all, all eyes on that sort of thing. Um, so like 20s is probably one of my uh, my first like big, um, big, big moments. Um, and then would have been the Did You Work Cup that still was the Southern Knights v Newcastle Falcons. I think they got what packed out stadium at the um, Newcastle Falcons um, place. And I think just playing in front of that many people was like a, it just made me want like, like a hunger to do it again. Because I feel like everyone's going to remember their first time playing in front of the big crowd because it's, it is cool. It definitely does add another factor to the game. Um, and I would say, yeah, so Super Six and then Sevens going going uh, to the uh, Sevens. Um, did what two two tournaments done? Spain one done Seville and Malaga, then Singapore and Vancouver, and then. And then probably the most recent one is Commonwealth was definitely up there as my top top achievement um for my um career so far. Um it's yeah, it's still it still feels weird that I can say that I've gone to a Commonwealth Games. It's very cool. 
but yeah, so that's probably my definitely my my top top uh, career moment. So let's talk about sevens because it's a bit of a funny one. As as a player who's like you know trying to aim for the fifteens game, it's kind of uh, this thing that is in the background, isn't it? And then all of a sudden, oh, you, you kind of get invited along. So what was that discussion like when sevens suddenly popped up as being a a route for you? Yeah. Um. So yeah, sevens is not something that I never really thought about doing really it was I barely played it when I was younger as well I think I did probably like two sort of tournaments of sevens and that's just the classic you get to the um end of the season and then they start doing sevens and you just play some um and it was like it's always good fun like sevens is fun doesn't matter what type or what level you do it is a fun game but yeah didn't really feel about doing it but then with certain circumstances with uh, I picked up like a big injury when I first moved to Edinburgh and then we'll just do that injury and then the sevens because of COVID um, there was like COVID the sevens pretty much just stopped when COVID was going on um, and the head coach Kieran Beatty was the um, temporary academy um, like coach at um, Edinburgh so I would be like just doing my gym and whatnot, just trying to get back from my injury. And then uh, he would do skill sessions with me. I would just do very static stuff, just passing. And I feel like sort of got a good sort of um, relationship built up with him. And then throughout um, like the year going on and then contracts coming up, um, he was saying that, you know, he was um, impressed with like my skills and stuff. So He's like, if 15s doesn't work, there's always an opportunity in seven. Sort of saying as like a thing to like, don't really worry about the future. But also it's like, it was nice hearing that from um, someone like him. And then come rugby sort of gets back to the flow, play Super 6, do um, a couple of games for Super 6. And then, uh, yeah, I find out that um, a couple of us are getting loaned out to the sevens. And I was just like... And my name was on it, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's actually pretty cool." Because like right now, there's no real rugby being played, and it's a good time to just keep it going, keep the ball going on it. Um, so yeah, loaned out, and then you know trained well, done enough to impress um him, um in like sevens ability, and then got selected for the uh, Spain one. So let's talk about your debut. So did you say it was Seville or Malaga that you made your debut at? Uh, it would have been Malaga. Malaga was Malaga. my match. Yeah. Do you remember the first the first match? Who was who's your opposition? Yeah, it was uh in it was playing South Africa, our first game, and it was like just with how sevens works, I felt like oh, I'm probably not gonna play this game. I think they're gonna just run with their with the main boys. Um and I probably won't really come on the field. And then it was looking like, because time goes so quick in a sevens game, you think, all right. I was looking at the clock and I was like, oh, it's two minutes to go. All right. Pretty much, I don't think I'm going on. And then turn around and Pete was like, right, you're on, Jake. I was like, right, it's my first, this is a bit of pretty much my first time of pro rugby sort of thing. And I'm like, right, it's, yeah, kickoff goes. And I think, to be fair, South Africa were on the money on this one. Um, but I remember I think the only thing I think I did was ended up, I ended up tackling, um, oh, I can't mind his name, uh, over the line. 
and uh it was like that was that was the end of the game and i felt like i did one thing there and i was just like that's it we're done now um but yeah it was sort of like a lot of us because there was loads of debuts in that game because um that that sevens team was a lot a lot of young boys in it and we were all sort of just like did we just play a game like did we is that all we just like played a game for um um, yeah, was it Scotland Sevens? But yeah, that's something you do get used to is how that sort of type you're on, you're off sort of thing. It was different coming from because all of us came from 15s, not really having that sort of Sevens experience. But now yeah, it was good. It was good. We we tasted and then got a wee bit more in the other games. So it was okay for um the first tournament. I I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed myself. Yeah. Nice easy opposition for your first game as well. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So let's dig into the Commonwealth Games. So when did you find out you were getting picked for Commonwealths? And then what did that period look like in terms of going into the holding camp, the whole, um, you know, athlete village, that kind of situation? Talk us through the Commonwealth Games experience. Yeah, so Commonwealth, so they had, there was a six-week training block for it. Um, so I think they said selection was like, I can't remember the date, but they were like pretty much narrowed down to, we were really late on actually being public on what the squad was. And that was just coming from Beat. So just, he was like, it's just really tough to pick a team right now with the boys that are in. So we had like, I think it was like three weeks. Um, Was it two, three or two weeks of like just training and no one knowing who's been selected. So it was those 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 good couple of weeks were intense. Like you could tell the just the competitive nature from everyone, um, and it was they were grueling. Um, those first two were tough because obviously you had your fitness, your games, and then everyone knowing that everything you do here is gonna put you higher up this list that's getting picked, and only thirteen go. Um, so it was yeah, it was tough. But by the end of those um, those weeks. Yeah, I got pulled aside and he said, um, yeah, I want to take you for um, the, uh, yeah, for the, the Commonwealth Games. And then it's like that sort of feeling where you're like, you've just been told the news you want, but then there's still so many more weeks to go and you still need to get prepped for them. So it was a good, good reboost. And then, yeah, throughout that training, uh, sort of, you know, getting in what I, tactical technical stuff for each team sort of thing showing different scenarios and whatnot um of how we're going to play and then there you go and then yeah then it's the start we're getting close to the time it's like getting sizes for your kit and stuff but that's always a good part of um you make any sort of team you get you get your kit bag and then for us to be sponsored by nike as well like everyone was like, right, we've got to make sure these all fit good because there's um, some decent bits of uh, stash we're getting there. Um, but yeah, so we go, I think we we go to Murrayfield for the like photos and headshots and everything. Um, and yeah, they've got our kit, kit there. So we're all trying it on. And then we got to wear the actual playing jerseys. And I think it was just cool to see everything just before um, like going and that. Um, and then we did leave, had a big, um, got a bus to, um, can't remember where the first place, first place we went, because, well, the rugby was held at the Rico Arena, so we were at a place called Warwick University, what they turned into the village, 
for us. And there was a couple other sports. I think there was judo, boxing and wrestling, I think, on the same week as the rugby. And they had, so it was pretty much like, just like a whole, it was just pretty much, it was a village of, you'd have different houses. Um, so I think we were just down from the Australian um, team. And then I think it was, I think Wales were just up from us as well. And it was cool. It was just how, um, how everything was, uh, how everything was sort of just every, like everything was so close. Um, we had, um, what was it, little grab-and-go stations just around, and you had just, like, array of foods that you could just go get. And then the canteen um, had all different um, types of foods. You had, like, um, African, Caribbean, um, European, Asian, and you just go around and pick what you want. And it was it was very cool. I, we got treated very well there. Um, very cool place. Um, a shame it wasn't with um, everyone. Because I think that would have been something that would have been just cool to see, seeing a couple of like the, the track athletes and that, the ones that you usually see on TV. Um, but no, it was really cool. It was really cool. Did it feel different? Because obviously in sevens, oftentimes you'd be much staying in the same hotel as the South African team or the you know the the Kiwi team or whatever. So you're not. It's not unusual in sevens to be alongside some of your opponents. But yeah. did it have a different feel and this this time around? Um, yeah, because I feel like it was more because it was less. In a sense, it was similar, but also I think it was different just because of the way it was done and how it was very, wasn't like sectioned off, but you could, just the way they'd done the rooms, it was like, that's Team Scotland. And then there's like Australia, there's Wales and like so-and-so. And it was very, um, I think just the, the way they presented it and like the aesthetic of it was very cool and new. But yeah, in in a sense, it was very similar to York sort of going around the hotel and you're bumping into other teams um but the way it was done was was new and yeah it's quite exciting just going there for the first time so what about stepping on the pitch but the first game what what did that feel like did that feel different to the hsbc world series was there something different oh, because it was in the uk 100 percent. i think there's also there was more people there um because way yes yeah, so they had uh, the first first day it wasn't um that packed but they pretty much had the one side pretty much like covered um and yeah i think i came i came off the bench and yeah uh harvey done a nice bit of work in the middle just bounced got onto i ended up getting driving in between two guys and then threw a nice wee offload to me and my first touch was literally just finishing off what harvey's created so I think it was cool just for my first touch to have, you know, the crowd going and then it's just, and now I'm just running, running in for a try. So I think, yeah, so in a, for, for the first touch at Commonwealth, I don't think you could ask for anything more than that. So yeah, it was, it was very cool. It was a very cool moment. And I'm guessing, I mean, the nature of the World Series being in, you know, South Africa, Singapore, Vegas, it's not often that your parents or your, your friends and family are, are watching in person because it's probably, you know, a live stream or TV. So did you have many people coming down to watch in person? Uh, no, I, I sadly didn't, but I knew I had, I knew uh, they'd all be watching um, at home. I think it was just a wee bit, the, it was a wee bit, it's very different from a series sort of um, layout because we would play one game and then have eight hours and then play another one. 
So it and how tickets worked, it was like you would buy for a session, and a session is one game. So usually, if you have a normal one, you could get that, and then you can stay and watch all all the different things, and then say that one is a late. It's like they had to like get rid of everyone from the stage and then get them all back in. So I think it just would have been awkward for like my father to come down, watch a game, and then have eight hours in between to then watch the next one. Um, but yeah, I wish they were there, but I also knew they would be watching anyway. So it was um, it was still one of those things. But it's yeah, a long way to go for fourteen minutes. Yeah, it's <laughs> like if you go and like look at like realistically, yeah, it's a big moment, but it's also it's like that is a. That's a massive gap between to do what. So in terms of the results on the pitch, obviously a, a bit of a mixed bag for Scotland. So talk us through, you know, what went well? What do you think, looking back, maybe a, a moment where you think, ah, I would wish things had gone a bit differently there. Yeah, for the first two games, we done everything that we wanted. Like we were playing how we've been training um, in the lead up to that. And everything was going really good. Um we knew Tonga were going to be physical and we had to just be just well-structured against them because you put them through certain phases they naturally just tend to go for, right? They've not had the ball for a while, so they're going to go try and smoke the guy that's in front of them. Um, and then we knew how to deal with that. And then same in Malaysia, it was going to be like, they're going to be, um, what's it, like hard work and just like sort of gritty around every sort of like breakdown sort of thing. And again, it was sort of those ones you can kind of beat them with sort of a bit of structure. Um, and then also we were, our sort of offloading games definitely helped. Something that we were quite naturally quite good at as a group when we first came together. And then, yeah, South was one of those games where it's like, it is tough to beat a team that are on the money, especially when it comes down to kicking. If they're kicking on a button, sort of thing, especially in sevens. And it's that's a hard thing to defend. So it's sort of a, sometimes a bit of a hats off to them. Like they were really good that weekend. Um, Fiji was one of those ones. I think we were disappointed how we played. Um, I feel like kickoff for us, something that we prize, uh, like we praise ourselves on. Um, and we were just slightly, slightly off it. Um, but and yeah, because that's one of those areas where if we could get the ball and just keep it away from them, because that's the thing, you give Fiji the ball like three times a score and two of them. Um, and yeah, it was just one of those ones where we wanted to keep the ball away from them. And then we did the complete opposite, pretty much every sort of kickoff went to them and then they just keep ball and do what Fijians do. Just run around with one hand, chucking it around and then they're eventually over the line. Yeah, and no shame there and losing in the, the gold and silver medalists. I mean, obviously, those two teams were, were really firing on all cylinders at the games, weren't they? Yeah, they, they were they were on the money. So it was it was tough coming from... Like, we played two good games at the start, and then we did have to then play some tough um, opponents where I still think we should have done, should have done way better against um, Fiji. So in terms of looking back, what was your biggest takeaway from the games? What, what, Looking back, do you think those are my biggest learnings or even just some of the biggest experiences for you personally? Um, I feel like experiences probably, I think just as, as a whole, it's like, I think just being in that sort of, those types of games, especially it's like, 
like those that Safka and Fiji is one of those ones where it's like you want to play in those games, you want to play against the best. Um, and yeah, for to for someone like me, I my biggest takeaway from that is just the ex being exposed to like high level players and like being able to attack against them, defend against them because that is you that is like that's what it comes down to is that what that is what gets you better be like being in that sort of situation when you're under stress and then what do you do to get out of it and then what have you done like training wise learning wise to how to sort things I think those games where you actually start to become a better player because that's when it has to be on the money and you, you have to understand what's going on sort of thing um so yeah I think just as the experience to play against a top top level um players Cool. So we've had some of the highs, talked about, you know, uh, Commonwealth Games, talked about getting that seven start. It's not all been sunshine and roses, though. You, you alluded to, obviously, although it turned out to be an opportunity, there was a bit of a major injury. And obviously, we know out South Africa on the McPhail Scholarship, we ended up with another injury as well. So talk us yeah. through some of the challenges that you faced in this journey so far. Um, yeah, well, for me, uh, start of my sort of, injury sort of thing has definitely been my hamstrings. I think I had an ongoing uh just hamstring problems and you're very aware of that. Like the yeah, most of my academy was sort of trying to deal with this just ha just standard Harry problems, like nothing too serious, just constantly ongoing sort of thing. And then yep, finally fixing them. Uh got to a point where I back playing sort of thing. Um, and got fit for 20s, played 20s, and then COVID hit. Um, so, like everyone, done nothing for, well, not nothing, but like just done our own sort of training for a couple of months. And then there was these voluntary sessions at Edinburgh because uh, this is when they moved academy into a senior academy. So they'd choose a select few to go train with the pro team. So was excited for that, wanted to put like best foot forward and like best impression. So went along to these voluntary um, training sessions and then first two weeks fine, um, start the third week, still fine, just sort of fitness, just straight line running. There was no, no contact or nothing, just straight line running, just fitness. And then, yeah, we got to these, um, these fitness uh, exercises called dirt track. Um, and that usually it's, you run out to the five, do a down up, come back to the line, down up, and then you run out to 22 and come back. But we were doing them above the ground. So no, no down up. So it was run to the, um, uh, run to the five backtrack, um, and then run off to the, um, 22. And I was doing a couple of reps of these, um, and then just like, unluckily, one of the times I'm backtracking, I go to push off with my left foot. And as I'm stepping back and pushing off, just hear a massive pop in the back of my foot. And the my flatmate at the time, Nathan Chivin was next to me when it happened. And I just remember him like running and he's like looking over like, what the hell was that noise? Like what just happened? And yeah. So pop goes in my foot and then my foot sort of just like flops down um, and I'm holding it 
and I can't can't really move it. Like my foot's just sort of just dead weight. They get the buggy, they get me into the physio room. Um, they have me uh, was it yeah face down on the physio bed and they're checking the back of my back of my foot. And I feel like within like thirty seconds, they were like they knew exactly what I'd done. Um, and then yeah, it was pretty quiet. They weren't really saying anything. Um, I had a couple of coaches come in and that, and they were like, "Oh, like how are you doing?" And I was just like, "Oh, literally, just don't know. I've done something to my ankle, sort of thing." And then the coach would go over, speak to the physios, and then like he was told what was done. And then it was kind of like to me, he was like, oh, you'll be all right. And then so I left. So then I was like, right, I might as well just ask. I was like, so I'm guessing this is a bad one. And then they were like, yeah, you've done a mid-tendon like rupture in your Achilles. And I was like, wow. So I've sort of taken aback and then just, just broke into tears because I knew it was like, that's me done for ages now. I'm not going to be able to do any of the stuff I wanted to do. And then, yeah, that was probably, that was a dark time in, uh, I think, just my rugby career, especially with it being COVID and then, like, having to learn how to walk again. And it's just those things that you take for granted, but when it's actually, when it's something that you, you have to, like, try and learn how to just walk again was something that's, like, from someone who's, like, I enjoy, like, sports and like being able to do things and like just moving around and for that to just be taken away very very easily um it was a very hard time and then you couldn't really go out for anything because of covid so um sitting and also my flat at the time was one of those ones underneath the ground so it was like i felt like i would see like no sunlight and then when i would come in for physio i'd be in the physio room and then would just be gymming and the edinburgh gym is there's there's no light it's just like a dungeon pretty much so I pretty much went from a bunker to a dungeon for a year. So it was not amazing for a headspace sort of thing, just constantly seeing dark place. But yeah, throughout that um, sort of going on and then getting towards the end of, because it was a year long injury, it was like 11, actually 11 and, 11 and a half months. Um, but yeah, at this point, it's like I was only contracted for a year. So now it's getting to the point where contracts go around and I'm thinking... I've not done anything. I've not not done a single bit of rugby. They, there's no reason for them to be like, stay here. We'll give you another one. So I'm thinking, right, I'm gonna get the boot after this year, and it's all just come from <laughs> straight line learning. Um, because those guys that I knew that were training, and they were told they were going, and I was like, oh, if they're going, I'm definitely gone, sort of thing, like because uh, there's some really good players that were leaving that year so I was like oh this isn't gonna I was like this is this is like just a bad situation to be in um but then I don't know just out of I think just must have had him on a lucky day uh <laughs> Richard Cockrell was the um head coach at the time and was saying that um there he was like still want to um like keep you on want to see what you can do because it would be um like wrong of us to just leave a young player that has done what they've done and then not even like give them a chance to see it so I pretty much just got like a um like a redo on my contract so pretty much everything the same and just do it again for 
another year. So I was kind of just like a lot sort of lift off my shoulders after that because it's always like a lot of people do say, oh, you can only control like, the controllables and stuff and you shouldn't really worry about it. But it is tough when you know like your job is like done at the end of the year and you don't know if you're going to come back. And like what you've done, it's like you're a rugby player at the end of the day. And I played zero rugby that year. So it was like, how am I going to actually get one? But no, I was, it was very, I think it was one of those things. I think Edinburgh as a, as a club is, um, like it is very supportive. And I feel like they didn't have to do that for me. So like I'm very um, like thankful that they've done that because like, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have done the things I've done if that, like if I didn't get given that. Um extra contract so yeah so it's fair to say when you're sitting there going from the, the bunker to the dungeon and back again the Commonwealth Games as a rugby sevens player was not even remotely on the radar no I don't think that was even ever before about I think yeah me as a I was lucky I don't say it was lucky but I didn't I don't think I took in the like how bad of an injury I'd done. I was sort of going day to day, um, just, yeah, day to day, would do my training and then we'd get a little bit better, slightly walking a little bit better. Or it was like, it was pretty much started from being on two crutches to then being on one, to then being able to walk in a boot, to then walk out of the boot and then to actually go back on crutches and stuff. It was sort of just going day by day, which I think, I'm kind of happy I did do it that way because if I was just thinking about the end sort of result of I need to be back running, it would have been an absolute depression knowing that I've got to go through two crutches to one crutch to boot to then crutches and so on and so. I think it was lucky the way that I don't know why I think I just sort of every day just felt the same, but I think a little bit of that is to do with COVID because you would do the same thing every day. So I sort of just got, I got lost in what the actual process was. I was kind of just going in would do the best I can on that day and just go back and do it again. And eventually, 11 and a half months later, I was playing a game. So it was just one of those things where I'm kind of happy I did do it that way. But it's also, yeah, nah, I think I was probably lucky that for some reason my brain just done it that way. So I was quite glad, actually. So it saved me a, a fair bit of um, bother, I think, if I did it the other way. So you, you've made your HSB World Series debut. You've played at a Commonwealth Games. What's the next big sporting ambition for you? Um, hopefully pulling on a Edinburgh jersey. Hopefully at some point um, this season, I'd be, yeah, I think that's my, definitely my goal this season is to, yeah, be in the, um, the Gunners' colours. So I'm guessing during that period of time that you, you were injured and you said, you know, you the contract was up. Did you start to give a, th- a thought to, to life after rugby and what that might look like for you? Um, yeah, I think that was, it was definitely, I think I started to think about like things like I would like to do or things I could do. Um, and then even though like that's actually a very hard thing because I think we always, like as academy, they always want like the young guys to be doing something. But as someone who's, like trying to think of things it's actually really hard to sit down and think what is it that you do enjoy outside of playing rugby because you end up rugby sort of does become your life um but I think I was lucky that 
as soon as I'm sort of home from rugby, um, unless there's like actual footage that we've been told to go through or whatnot, I kind of just don't think about rugby. Um, and so I stopped doing it. But yeah, it definitely when that happened, I was like, I probably should think about things that, because it could just gave me a little bit of a things like, because rugby doesn't last forever. Um, and it's like another big injury could happen and that could be something where it's like you can't play, like touch wood, but like that's just one of those ones where it can happen. Um, and yeah, thinking about things, I think it was when I was coming back. So I've been playing and then uh, uh, Damien Hoyland was chatting about it. This is when he was starting his coffee business and he was saying that he was went for a lot of injuries and it was something that just distracted him from it. Because if it wasn't going well, he could focus on that. And he enjoyed it. He actually had passion for it. So I was thinking, like, what does, like, what do I enjoy when I'm not, like, playing rugby? And then there was always things, like, I was quite big into drawing as a kid. Like, I liked my art and stuff. And then I'm a bit of a, like, I like I like shoes. I like trainers. Um, and I ended up trying to like I've bought a fair few stuff for it is like customizing trainers and boots and I feel like that's something that I think to do alongside my career I think will be good to have that sort of distraction and also um I can have something else to do because I as soon as I can get um like happy with the the product that I could um do on like a boot because a lot of boys have been saying they'd they'd like a pair of custom boots or some sort of thing in a boot and it's like knowing that like I kind of do it just because I would like them I thought it'd be cool to have and then hearing other boys would like them it was quite a cool um cool thing and it could be something that I could do as like a maybe a wee side business sort of thing but I think it was better that it came from I kind of just wanted to do it because I wanted them and I liked them and I found it cool um but yeah I think again like that injury has done as well as it take it's taken a gear out of my career, it's also added a lot of things that I wouldn't have thought about. And you know, in a roundabout way, the opportunity to get in front of Kieran Beatty that maybe you know might not have happened. It's funny how these things work out, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like if yeah, if that didn't happen, like there's loads of things that I don't think would have happened in the way it has. So, in a way, thankful for it because there's been a lot. And in another way, it's like. I'd rather have my Achilles not uh, shorter than the other one, but, you know, that's how it is. Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably obvious, but what's on the horizon next in the next 12 to 18 months for you? Obviously, pre-season's starting to draw towards a close, so kicking off the season with Edinburgh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so finishing off that pre-season book um, with Edinburgh, hopefully um, hopefully get some sort of game time uh, with Edinburgh and then just going on keeping that super six keep playing keep my game minutes up are you with the Knights um, again this year? Uh, no been actually got swapped for uh, one of the second rows at Harriet got moved to the Knights and then me and Sweeney are at uh, Harriet's now bit of an easier commute for you then? yes a lot easier a lot easier Cool. Well, Jake, it's been awesome. Thanks for sharing so much around your career so far and the Commonwealth Games experience. Where can people find out more about you and, I guess, follow along with some of the HSBC World Series antics and, and the life of uh, a young developing rugby player? 
Oh, well, um, yeah, if to, to really keep up with me, it'd just be my Instagram, uh, just Jake Henry, uh, double wide and underscore. Cool. Good man. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Good luck with the season ahead. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode. And don't forget to get your seven-day free trial to our online platform, as well as 50% off your first month with the code LTADVIP50. Don't forget, you can find us on Instagram using the account at LTAD Network, as well as Twitter at LTAD Network, and find our website www.ltadnetwork.com.